Take your Bibles this morning. If you would turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, we are endeavoring to walk through this wonderful gospel that Luke has given us, a gospel that he says is given to us that we may know the exact truth concerning the things that were accomplished by Jesus Christ. And so today we pick up in uh, verse 15 of chapter 2 where the angels have now gone back to heaven and so we have these shepherds who are left with a question that they must answer of what do they do with this amazing news that they have been given. One of the, the good things of, uh, for you and I as we have walked very slowly through chapter 1 and 2 is that many times, you know, in Christmas is about the only time since we, some, we come to these passages. And so we deal with these passages within a two to three week time frame, maybe four um, but we have just endeavored to walk through this very slowly, and I hope that you are getting to see the different angles and the different parts that are moving and, and the different questions that are, are having to be raised and answered and even things that were happening around the world in this time and why the birth of Christ is so significant. Today, as we come to verse 15, we may come to this text and this, this part and look at it as though it's rather maybe simple, maybe a little bit anticlimactic maybe because we've seen angels visiting, we've seen great uh, messages delivered about the birth of a Savior, we've seen angels singing in the glory of God, but, but now that's gone. The angels have left and we're just left with some shepherds who are about to go into a stable or go see a baby that's in a manger and and, and there's some cool things happening there, but you know, that supernatural aspect of it was really what I loved and what was great about this. But, but brothers and sisters, the earth was not meant for angels, it was meant for men. And so, and so the angels are gone, and this is the reality that we live in. And so now that we have the good news, the good news of Jesus has been delivered, there, there has to come a question, uh, a question needs to be raised of what do we do with it? And so we look at the life of these shepherds, or we look at what they're going to do now, and you have to wonder at this, because we have to think about their day-to-day living. Don't forget that these shepherds were working at the time of the, the angel came. They're, they're working the night shift. They're watching the sheep, and that is their life. That is their, that is their main priority, to make sure the sheep are okay. And so, as you see, they have to kind of deal with, what are we going to do with the sheep, you know? There are hindrances, there are responsibilities that could have hindered these shepherds from going to see Jesus. I ask yourself, dear friend, I ask you this morning, do your day-to-day responsibilities ever get in the way of following Jesus? I have a feeling I know the answer to it. I have a feeling that you and I find ourselves sometimes that we're just, because of the business of our schedule and the responsibilities that we have, we're sometimes not able to do the things that we really want to do in following and and being passionate about Christ. You see, the shepherds were no different than us, which is what I believe makes this text so glorious. 
What we have here this morning is not angels singing and delivering a message. It's not a miracle of a virgin conception. It's no imperial decree that is going to affect millions. What you have here this morning is a, is, is a bunch of men making a glorious response to the glory of the gospel. And that is our title this morning, the glorious response to the glory of the gospel or maybe the glory of God. It is a beautiful illustration of what should follow after a person has heard and believed the gospel. I want you and I to look at what are the, the, the true and accurate responses of men and women who hear the gospel. Now, before we dive into this, though, because that's what we're going to be looking at there, before we dive into, so how do I respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and his salvation You and I need to be reminded this morning of what the gospel is. Because as we saw this morning in our Sunday school uh, literature this morning, that that there are controversies and genealogies and there are discussions and sermons that are preached that are void and absent of the gospel. So when we say the gospel, what do we mean by the gospel? If I'm going to respond to something, I need to know what it is. So I want you to back up before we go to our text. I want you to back up to just verse 10 for just a moment. And look with me in Luke verse 10. So remember, the angel has come and he says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And brothers and sisters, there is the good news. The angel has come and he has told sinful men that a Savior has come. He is Christ, the Son of God. He is not just man, he is fully God who has now left heaven and come to take on flesh that he may be our Savior. Not to save save us from Rome and not to save us from Caesar. Not to save us from foolish mistakes, but to save us from our sinfulness and our trespasses against God Almighty. Isaiah 53, 6, which these shepherds would know, tells us in verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. You see, these shepherds knew about sheep, how they would turn to their own way and they would turn away from the shepherd. Well, brothers and sisters, you and I are like these sheep. We are sinful. We have sinned against God. We are very prone to turn to our own sinful ways and to turn away from God. But out of the great love of God, He has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come into the world that He may, unlike us, never turn away from the Father. To, unlike us, never sin in thought or in action or in deed. And brothers and sisters, we who are under the penalty of our sin, Jesus was innocent of all sin but yet lovingly and willingly takes our penalty. He goes to the cross of Calvary, and again, just as in Isaiah 53, we read, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Dear friends, Jesus Christ died that your sins may be forgiven. Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave that your punishment, death, may be overturned. That the judgment of God may be removed from you. Jesus died and rose to bring salvation and hope to these shepherds. To bring salvation and hope to all who would repent of their sins and believe in him. And so dear friend, I would say to you this morning that the good news that these shepherds are hearing of a Savior. 
The good news of this Savior that we read from Genesis to Revelation is just as good today as it was on the, on the night that they heard it. There is salvation found in Jesus Christ. This is what we preach. This is what we teach. This is the only hope, brothers and sisters, that you and I have in this world But I'm afraid that too many times we preach this message of good news and we have no idea what to do with it. I'm afraid that sometimes we preach this message of good news and we just say, I I believe it intellectually, I think it's great, I'm going to go do some good things for God and everything's going to be okay. But I want to look this morning at how these shepherds responded to the good news, how they responded to Jesus Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior. Because there may be some of you here this morning who have been, that God has been dealing with you for quite a while, maybe the last several weeks or so. And, and He's been dealing with you, He's been convicting you, and you're, you're asking yourself, what am I to do? What, what do I need to do with these feelings and this conviction of the Spirit? And maybe some of you this morning are, are saying, well, I, I've been a Christian a long time, and and I, I'm still kind of confused on what I need to do. I, I believe the gospel. I've repented of my sin. But what does my life need to look like now? Well, dear friends, I want to show you the glorious response to the glory of God this morning. And there are three things that you're going to find here within your text. I want you to see the steadfast seeking, the profound pondering, and the permanent praise. I want to show you that the gospel of Jesus Christ results in a steadfast seeking, a profound pondering, and a permanent praise in our life. Now let us go to our text this morning. Look at verse 15. It says, When the angels had gone away from them in heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that happened which the Lord has made known to us. And so they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, listen to this, all who heard it wondered at the things which they were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Dear friends, let's give praise for the reading and and the Word of God this morning. The first thing I want you to see is that the gospel, dear friends, should result a steadfast seeking within our life. Now, Now notice, though, that's not how it started out immediately, though. That's what it results in, but that's not how it all started out. So I think you're going to relate with me on this. Notice what it says. The shepherds began saying to one another, we got to go to Bethlehem. Well, we need to go to Bethlehem. Yeah, we, we got to go. And they're talking about it. Now that word saying is in the imperfect tense. And what that means is, it means that, that it doesn't have a, a completion at this moment. It, it means that it is a continuous action. So so they have heard the glorious news of Jesus Christ and they begin to discuss going to Bethlehem and they're doing it over and over and over again. It's a conversation. It's, It's beating a dead horse. We're just talking about it. And we just keep going and we find no end within this. One would think that they would 
that one would think that we could understand the conversation, though, a little bit, because remember, they had responsibilities. They had details. It wasn't as simple as, hey, let's just go to Bethlehem and lose our jobs. Let's just go to Bethlehem and, the, and we may not be able to provide for our family. The question was, what do we do with these sheep? What do we do with, with the things that we've got that we have to take care of? These details that are, that are surrounding us that we need to make quick decisions on. Doesn't this sound familiar? Do those daily details of your life, your work, your school, your bills, your children, your spouse, your responsibilities, do those little details ever derail your passion for Jesus Christ? Do they ever stop you from from doing what, what you know you need to be doing? And we hear it all the time. We do, I couldn't make church this morning. I, I had this, I got this, I've got that. I got this detail that I have to deal with. And so I'm not able to go to church right now. Oh, well, I, I, know, I know I was supposed to be a part of that Bible study because, because I, I said I, was, I committed to it and I was going to read and study and be a part of the groups. And, but these details in my life have not allowed for me to, to do this. Do they, do they ever hinder the progression of your faith and walk? Your friends, do you ever just find yourselves where you talk about these things of God, but you never do the things of God? Is it like the vacation that you always talk about going on, but you never go? Or maybe that leaky pipe that your wife and you talk about all the times about how you're going to fix it, but it never gets fixed? Dear friends, thankfully, this is not the testimony of the shepherds. Because you and I would not be reading about shepherds who only talked about going to see Jesus but never went to see him. Instead, we, we read of a testimony of the shepherds who, who eventually stopped the talking and they figured out a way and they end up going. The Bible tells us in verse 16 that they went in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. You see, once they finished discussing and making their arrangements, there was no hesitation. They quickly headed straight to Bethlehem, which was a two-mile walk. And that Greek word means that found, it means that they found Christ. Not just found him, but they found him by diligent, steadfast seeking. You see, in the Greek, what that means is, is that they were going to find him. No matter how long or how hard it was, they were going to search and search and search until they found Jesus. They did not lose interest. They did not become distracted. Their exhaustion did not derail them. The worries of the details did not stop them. They would not be denied beholding the glory of God. And their steadfast search was rewarded when they came upon God in a manger. Dear friends, I submit to you this morning that the glorious response of the gospel requires a steadfast spirit in seeking out Christ You see, we don't just merely just repent of our sins and stop sinning, dear friends. We bring this up every week, but you need to know that it's not enough just to stop your sin. You must start following Jesus Christ, and you must follow him with a steadfast spirit. You must follow him diligently. And yet I am afraid that many of us are too concerned about the details that that we do not follow with a steadfast spirit. I'm afraid that many of us have endless conversations about, our grow, about growing in our faith. We have endless conversations about, about stops committing certain sins. 
I'm going, to, I'm going to stop doing that sin one day. And 10 years later, you're still doing it. Many of us probably talk about, have said before, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be mentor, or I'm going to go through this discipleship thing, or, or I'm going to memorize Scripture. I'm going to do it. I'm going to evangelize more, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to attend church, and I'm going to be a leader within the church, and I'm going to fulfill the responsibilities of a godly man and a godly woman, and the list can go on. We do a lot of talking, but we never stop talking to actually begin to search Christ out. If the gospel of Jesus Christ has transformed you and saved you, dear friend, you will begin to start seeking him in his word to know how to live. And what's amazing is, is that a lot of your other conversations do tend to materialize. You talk about going on vacation and you go on vacation. You talk about raising money, raising more money or or getting a raise or having more money or getting a new house or a new truck or a new job promotion. You talk about sports and doing this and hobbies and building a business and you talk about about new vehicles and you talk about new hobbies and skills. You talk about this for your children. I want my children to have this. I I want my spouse to have You talk about all these different things. And you bring them about because you diligently searched for them and you diligently worked to bring them about. But when it comes to Christ, all we do is talk. Dear friends, you must look at these shepherds and realize they did not hesitate. There were details that needed to be taken care of, but they did not hesitate. They realized that the Son of God is in Bethlehem, and that is more important than these sheep. Now, I know I've got a responsibility to take care of them, but, but it is not greater than the, than the one who is in the manger. So let's take care of business so we can go be with the Son of God. They did not hesitate. And not only that, they made arrangements. We don't know how, but they made arrangements. Dear friends, you can work around your work. You can work around your finances. You can work around your hobbies and your life to make sure that you are following Jesus the way the gospel calls you to follow Jesus. The question is, is will you make those arrangements? If you wish to truly have the joy of being a mature Christian, you will rearrange the daily details of your life to follow Christ. You do it with everything else. But dear friends, may I also tell you this. I do not say these things without the least bit of understanding that I understand the daily difficulties of this as well. You must not also, you must not give up. You must pursue and pursue just as these shepherds did to find Christ You must seek until you find. You must seek until you have memorized that verse. You must seek until you have become a godly man. You must seek until you have become a godly woman. You must seek until you are attending church faithfully and regularly. You must seek until you have been mentored or are now mentoring others. You must seek and seek and seek. For the Bible tells us for everyone who asks, everyone who seeks will find. Oh, dear friends. The gospel of Jesus Christ merits and demands that you seek him steadfastly, never giving up. And that is what we see with these shepherds. And that is what we see in Christians who who have truly been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ.
But secondly, I want you to notice the profound pondering. Notice the profound pondering. Luke writes, he says, And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, now this, this is really good. They, they wonder. We, we read this at Christmas time and we're like, Everybody was just in amazement of what was going on. This, because that word wonder means that they were to marvel at. They were to, to, to have an admiration. It was, it was excitement. They were, they were excited. Did you hear what those shepherds said? Man, God has been born. The Messiah is here. Isn't that amazing, Bob? Yeah, that's amazing, Jim. Oh, great. Let's woo. That's good. But they did nothing else. They patted one another on the back. They were amazed. They were excited. They were, it was wonderful. But you see, the gospel, Luke makes a contrast here. He says, but Mary. In other words, is that what these other people were doing is different than what Mary was doing. And Mary is the one who is responding correctly, not these other people. You see, they responded in momentary excitement it was just a moment that led to nothing else it was not a glorious response beyond popular opinion you see that's what we think we think that the excitement to the gospel and to the worship services is about raising your hands and it's just about about you us being shouting it's about us just being i'm so passionate about jesus i'm showing my excitement and if i'm a person who is like this all the time then i truly treasure jesus but luke says no He makes a contrast and he says, nah, he says, notice Mary instead. Look what Mary did. You see, Mary treasured all these things and and was pondering them in her heart. Beloved, don't think that the shepherds did not tell Mary the same thing that they told everybody else. Don't think they they didn't tell her about the angel coming. And the glory of God surrounding that angel and the, and, the, and the other angels singing and all of that. Mary heard the same thing from them that they, that, that they told everyone else. And her response was one of treasuring and pondering. Now understand that Greek word means to keep close or to preserve for a long time. In other words, you got something valuable, you put it in your safe, and you, it's there to never be lost, to never be, to never be destroyed. It's a treasure, and you've got it close to you. But that word pondering, it means that you are to think of something over and over. You are to consider that treasure carefully. So yes, you have it in the safe, but you take it out and you look at it daily. You, you examine it daily. You think through it daily. So there is an intense, profound mental grip on everything that has been shared with Mary and everything that she has heard from, from Elizabeth and Zechariah and everything that she has experienced and everything Joseph experienced. Mary has taken all of these things about Jesus, the same things that these other people have heard. And instead, of, and yes, she's excited, she's passionate, but you know, she's kind of quiet about it. And so we look at that and we go, well, she's not as spiritual. But yet what you find is, is that Mary has treasured these things, not for a moment, but for a lifetime. You see, Mary has kept it close to her and, she, and she's meditating on every word, on everything that has happened and the meanings of it. What does this mean in light of the Old Testament? What does this mean in 
in light of the future of my son, what does this mean for me and my, my husband Joseph? Who is this child? What, 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 what do I have before me? You see, Mary's response went deeper than just a moment, a moment emotion. It was deeper than just an emotional joy that springs up for a moment and then withers under the sun. Remember, Jesus warned of that in the parable of the sower, didn't he? He said, there are those who the seed is thrown. He says, but the roots are not deep and it just springs forth. And you think, I've gonna, I'm going to get something with that. But when the sun comes, it withers and dies. You see, she meditated on the good news of Jesus Christ. She, she thought long and hard about God's promises in the Old Testament. Dear friend, this is the profound one pondering, the profound pondering of Jesus Christ. My friends, do you treasure Christ at all? Do you treasure Jesus Christ? And I want you to think about that. Do you treasure, and by that I mean not just with your heart, with passion and emotion. Do you treasure Jesus with your mind? more than the other things in your life? Has the gospel caused Jesus Christ to be the thing that constantly comes to your mind more than anything else? Do you prioritize the meditation of the gospel and of Jesus Christ, the the meditation of the scriptures? Or are you like all those who have heard? You may come every Sunday and you hear the gospel and you go, that's really good, only to never think about the gospel until next Sunday. You see, those who heard the gospel were excited. But you see, inflation kept their minds worried about inflation. Their their TV shows and their social medias and their their things at work really were the things that took priority in their mind. And so guess what? Those are the things that we prioritize. We prioritize the economy. And so that becomes the thing that takes far greater precedent over the gospel of Jesus Christ or or what's going to happen next week on my favorite show. I'm afraid that many of us may know nothing of what it means to truly understand the biblical definition of treasuring Christ. It's not just passion and emotion. To truly treasure Christ is to ponder on Christ. That means that you must... When you come to church, that you take notes or, or you remember the sermon and you take what you've learned from the sermon. And throughout the week, you are thinking on it and you are pondering it. You are looking at it. You're, you're flipping over to the Old Testament. You're going to Revelation. You're, you're pondering and thinking, what, what did I hear this Sunday? And how does it fit with the rest of Scripture? Not just, that was a good day. It is a mental discipline of not letting go of the truth that we have discovered. You, you learn something and you, you hold on to it and you, and you follow that rabbit even further and you begin to learn more and you begin to realize that all of a sudden, man, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that Jesus Christ is connected to everything and there's all these wonderful truths. But it takes mental discipline of, of not allowing the distractions of your life to become your treasure. You see, truly treasuring Christ is the deepening of your understanding of Jesus himself. It's not just the shallow thoughts and the shallow cliches that we throw around. And we, and we are really good at Christian cliches. They were very popular before 
the social media memes came along. We're really good with cliches versus the deep understanding and the thinking. Dear saints, treasuring Jesus means that you're going to have to think, to take time to think long and hard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. It's with you throughout the day. You, you think about the scriptures. So let me encourage you to take notes when you're in Sunday school. Let me encourage you to take notes on Sunday mornings. Let me, let me encourage you to go back and to listen and to, and to reread and to not always just move on from things. Encourage you to memorize and to meditate on the scriptures, even if you only learn one or two a year. But just to memorize and meditate on the verses and think on them throughout the day. And dear friend, may we begin to, may we begin to develop a mental discipline of ridding ourselves of the distractions. It's almost like you have to clean out your room. You've got to clean out your junk. To clean out the junk that is in our mind that comes from the social media and the mainstream media and, 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 the, and the things that are going on in the community. and all To clean out the stuff that, that tends to preoccupy our mind more than anything else that we may focus to learn the art of focusing on Christ. Learn that less can also be more. I am one of those that struggles with this. Because I want to read the Bible in a year. I want to get as much as I can in. But you know, we tend to read and we read. And sometimes less. That Just taking a, a chapter or, or less and, and just reading and contemplating on that. Oh, dear friends, there are many ways in which you can learn to truly treasure Jesus. Not only with your emotions and your passion but with your mind as well. The gospel is not just an, uh, does not just merit emotional response. It is a response of the mind. That is where we truly treasure Christ. But notice thirdly, they responded in praise. Look at verse 20. And not just any praise, because I call this permanent praise. So notice what it says. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they heard, had heard and seen just as had been told them. One can imagine these shepherds were like the apostle Peter, right? You remember Peter when he goes up on the mountain, transfiguration, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the voice of God this is my son who I'm well pleased. Then, then you got the Old Testament saints coming in. They're back from the dead. They're there. And then Jesus just pulls back the flesh, and he is just this, the radiance of a bright star. I mean, he's just glowing. And, and what does Peter say? Get some tents. Set them up, boys. We ain't going back down. Can you imagine that that's the way the shepherds were? To, to, to go in and see Christ. Now, I understand, it wasn't a great sight. He, he, he's a dirty little baby in a, in a manger with animals. and, and the, I mean, it, it was humiliating, but this is God. And I want to be with God. I, I, I want, I, it's almost, you kind of maybe see Mary like any other mother going, 
look, guys, I love you. Thank you for visiting, but uh, you need to leave. You know that. When the people are visiting the baby, the mama's tired, and she's like, I'm... but these shepherds had to go back to the fields. And Peter had to come down the mountain. You see, dear friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to pick us up, set us down, shake our world all around. But at some point, you do got to go back to work. And you've got to go back to that home where you and your wife are struggling, or you got to go back to your children that disobey. you got to go back and, and realize that your bank account is not where it needs to be, and you got to go back to seeing all, you know, dealing with your debt. you got to go back to the fact that we're living in a world that where inflation is high and there's all these political problems. you got to go back to reality at some point. I, I know it's not what we want, but the question is, dear friend, is that when you return... Will you return to normal or will when you return, will the gospel of Jesus Christ have such an effect on your day-to-day reality? It's a new normal. As for the shepherds, they did. They noticed. They went back glorifying and praising God. This is written in the present imperative, meaning that it was continually, it was a continuous praising of God without end. It doesn't mean they were just singing. They weren't just singing 24-7, no. It means that they were living a life in an attitude of continual praise and worship of God. Because God had sent His Son into the world to save sinners. Because God sent His Son to save these sinners and they have believed upon this Son. They had accepted it in faith and were now living it and they are now permanently altered. Their, their work and their home life, their, their view of the world is permanently altered. Everything is now how they live and how they think and how, what they say is a permanent expression of praise. No longer under the burden of legalism. No longer under the burden that they had to win their, and earn their own salvation. No longer under the feeling of being unworthy. And no longer under the feeling of being condemned by sin. No, no, no longer having to live in a world where everything is so bad and there's no hope. I, they could give God praise. For they were now marked by a newfound attitude of praise and worship. A permanent expression. A permanent passion to glorify God. I set before you today, church, that the glorious response to the gospel of Jesus Christ is a life of permanent praise. What I mean by this is is that our lives have permanently been changed and altered. I am no longer who I was. I may go to the same job and I may go, I may have the same spouse and I have the same children. I may, I may go to, to, and to the, have the same extended family and I may have the same hobbies and I may, all this other stuff is normal, but I am not the same man or woman doing these same things. We claim that God has changed us. We claim that the gospel has convicted us. We claim that the Spirit has entered us. But when we return back down the mountain, when we return to the fields, we go right back to the way things were. You return to work, but this time, dear friend, because of the gospel, you return with a different attitude about work. You now realize that God has created you to work, and so therefore you will... (coughs) 
work to bring glory and honor to God. You return to your home. And now no longer do you hate your spouse. No longer are you indifferent to your spouse. No longer maybe your spouse who you love and enjoy. No longer are we going to do the same sinful things that we've always done. But you return to your home life and things are now going to be different. I am going to be on mission for God that, that everything that happens in this house is going to bring praise and honor to him. You return to your social groups and your communities, but you return with a different attitude, a permanent mission in mind, a permanent, a permanent uh, expression of that in this community and in this in social realm of influence, I am on mission for Christ. I am on mission that he will be glorified in everything that comes, everything that comes from my mouth and everything that I do. You return to a life with passion for God and the things that God loves. We have to stop saying we lo- that we are passionate about God and not passionate about the things that God loves. God loves holiness. And so now I am permanently living a life of steadfast pursuit of holiness. God loves the scriptures. I am permanently now living a life of expression of praise to God by the reading and the study of the scriptures. God, God loves the church. And now I'm permanently changed and, and altered to where the church is a joy to me and the people of the church are joy. God loves the lost and the unbelieving. And so now I have a, a love to bring Christ to them. Dear friends, has the gospel of Jesus Christ produced in you a permanent praise in your life? And if the answer is no, then the question needs to be, why not? Because the gospel did not fail. It will not fail. Examine your heart today and ask yourself, why do you still talk about all these things, but never do? Why do you think on everything but Christ? Why do you behave the way you used to, like the, the old way before you made your profession in Christ. You may find that what you heard with your ears never was heard by your heart. And you may find that you are a product of false conversion. You may find that you are like all these other people who heard of Jesus and got really excited for a moment only to wither and die later. Dear friends, if this is you this morning, hear me, there is hope for you today. And I pray that you are not just hearing with just your physical ears, but with your your heart, with the Spirit. I pray the Spirit has given you ears to hear this morning that if you are a false convert, that you are someone... that has seen no change in your life after your profession, that you would come to this Savior because this is the Savior. That never changes. He and He alone can save you. You must seek Him out. Seek Him until you find Him. Seek Him until you think of Him and love Him and treasure Him. Think of Him until you begin to, to act and to talk and to behave differently. Or maybe you are a true convert this morning. But the life that you live has, been, has defeated you. The details, the day-to-day responsibilities, the, the bottom of the mountain, the sheep fields. They've, they've, they have somehow ripped away from you that passion and that, 
those good deeds that you were doing, the old sins that you, that you once were, were having victory over have now come back, and they have come back with fire and rage, and they've knocked you back, and you feel like you have been beaten, like you have backslidden. Dear friend, answer this, or, or dear friend, the answer to this, the answer for you this morning is the same answer it was in the beginning. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We never move away from the gospel. It is always that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins, to be risen on the third day. It is this, did we not read this morning in the Sunday school, this is a trustworthy statement. This is a trustworthy statement. Speak confidently. Speak confidently so that those who may believe may engage in good deeds. Oh, dear sir, dear ma'am, hear me today. If this world has knocked you down and you've done everything you can to try to get back up and seek him and to treasure him, to be changed, as the gospel says, go back to the gospel. Go back to Jesus and cry out to him in repentance and beg of him in prayer. Preach the gospel of Jesus to yourself every day. Pray for the power of the gospel to give you a permanent life of praise. Learn from others who have been permanently changed by the gospel. Oh, seek out others who know the battle and the struggle, but the gospel has prevailed in them. Search the scriptures until, these, until like these shepherds you have beheld the beauty and the glory of Christ and the joy and the excitement and the passion to live for Jesus begins to return. Dear friends, as we come to a close, I leave you with this quote. Charles Spurgeon said, The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. I'm going to repeat that. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. The gospel of Jesus Christ, if it has never changed your life. Oh, dear friends, if, you, if, the, gospel of Jesus, if the gospel of Christ has not changed you, if you do not seek him nonstop, if you do not treasure and ponder him and his goodness, if you have not been altered permanently, you need to ask that question this morning, why not? And you need to seek the Lord an answer today and there is no better day than today and there is no better time than now to stop talking and to make haste to Bethlehem that you may behold your Savior in the manger. Let's pray.